Come follow me, the Savior said, then let us in his footsteps tread. For thus alone can we be one with God's own This is Lexi Austin, and you are listening to The Savior Said, a weekly podcast dedicated to my musings and observations on the New Testament and the Gospel of Jesus Christ. I will be using the Come Follow Me curriculum of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. This curriculum can be found at comefollowme.churchofjesuschrist.org. For more content, follow me on Facebook at facebook.com slash thesaviorsaid. Hey guys, so welcome to episode 50 of The Savior Said. This is for December 23rd through 29th. It's supposed to be Revelation 12 through 22nd. He that overcometh shall inherit all things. However, I feel like a lot of the stuff that we talked about in the Revelation Roundtable bonus content is what was covered in this week's assignment. So if you haven't listened to the bonus content from Revelation Roundtable, I definitely recommend that you go check it out. Revelation Roundtable with mom and dad. Um, I sit down with my mom and dad and we talk all about the book of Revelation. But so this is the last episode of The Savior Said for 2019. And I was like, I can't just do a regular episode. You know me, I have to be extra all the time. So I couldn't just do like a normal episode, right? So we're going to do a little bit something special here. I'm going to tell you more about it in a minute. Because first, I want to tell you guys, we hit 50,000 downloads worldwide. The Savior Said did this week. I am so excited, which means we're going to do a drawing. We're going to do a giveaway, um, and it is going to be for a painting. It's a watercolor painting, and it's done by Robin of Art by Geek Girl. She's incredibly talented, and what she does is she takes hymns, and then she puts, like, watercolor behind them, and so this is an 8 by 10 of the hymn Come Follow Me, and the picture behind it is, like, these beautiful, brightly colored bushes and like trees and stuff like that. I'll post pictures of it to my blog and my Facebook and Instagram so you guys can see it. I'm also going to be posting a link to a Google form for you to fill out and that's how you're going to be able to enter into the drawing. So you'll go to either my Facebook, my blog, or my Instagram. They're all the Savior Said. If you Google any of those, it'll pop right up. And just fill out a couple of questions and it will put you into the drawing to win this 8 by 10 of Come Follow Me with this gorgeous watercolor in the background. Also, while you're doing your Christmas shopping, I have to say Art by Geek Girl is amazing source for Christmas presents. Just this morning, I ordered from her. I'm not even going to say what it is because the person who it's for is listening to this, but it's one of her favorite hymns with like a watercolor I know is going to be really, really important to her and mean a lot to her. And we're going to put them together and I'm going to give it to her for her Christmas present this year. And so Robin was so easy to work with and she was able to do that for me. It's a custom piece, but I mean, able to work with good prices makes a really good personalized gift for somebody. So Art by Geek Girl. You can find her on her website, artbygeekgirl.com. And she also has an Etsy shop that you can find there too. So go check her out. Okay, getting back to episode 50, our final episode of 2019. We have had a whole year together, guys. Like I cannot believe that you guys have stayed with me all year long. And I'm so grateful that you have. Okay, so the assignment title, He That Overcometh Shall Inherit All Things, that's the actual assignment title for this week. And I was like, that's actually really appropriate because I feel like in my Come Follow Me journey, that sticking 
through those weeks where it was hard or sticking through the weeks where I felt like I had too much going on or sticking through the weeks where like the scriptures, the stuff I was reading made me uncomfortable and enjoying the weeks where what didn't make me uncomfortable, where it was peaceful and where it was inspiring and things like that, that that's what got me through to this growth that I have experienced all year long. I started going back into the earlier episodes, starting with episode one, I started listening to bits and pieces of the different ones and um, just the growth that I have seen in myself from December 2018 to now is insane because of the Come Follow Me curriculum. And I honestly believe that we are led by a prophet of God because this curriculum has done more to bring me close to God and more to help me think more about my Savior and focus on my Savior and bring my Savior to life in my mind than anything else I've ever done. Like just the strength of my testimony alone has strengthened so much within the course of the past 12 months that I'm so grateful for this program. So overcoming all those times where it was a little bit rough to do, and then inheriting this beautiful testimony, I think that works in really well with the title of what was supposed to be this week's assignment. But what we're going to do instead is we're going to do a retrospective of some of my favorite moments of The Savior Said from the past year. You're going to get to hear little clips of different episodes, starting with the first episode where I introduce myself and I'm really super awkward. Not that I'm any less awkward now. I am always super awkward, but I was even more super awkwarder in the first episode. And we're just going to keep going through and you're going to get to hear some of my favorite moments from some of my favorite episodes. You know, the name The Savior Said, when I was first deciding on a name for my podcast, it came to me from the hymn, Come Follow Me. Because, you know, the phrase is, come follow me, and then the Savior said. And so I was like, I want to do something with come follow me. So the Savior said the next phrase there in the hymn, that made the perfect sense to title my podcast that. But as I've gone through the Come Follow Me program this year, I've realized so much of the gospel centers around not only what the Savior said, but also what he did and the way he lived and the way he loved and the example that he gives for us. So I hope that as you listen to these different excerpts from my episodes, that that will really stand out to you and you can kind of see how my testimony grew over the course of the year. All right, we are going to start out with what I promised was that super awkward first episode. Um, It's going to be the introduction to who I am, why I'm doing this podcast, and what I'm seeking. So here we go. So I want to start out real quick with an introduction and some FAQs as to what I'm doing here and what's going on. Um, My name is Lexi Austin. I am a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I live in North Alabama. I am a wife and mother to a 12-year-old boy, and that is an adventure every day. So the reason why I wanted to do a podcast, Come Follow Me is made to be discussed in families, and I am the only member in my home, and so I don't really have anyone in my home to discuss it with. And like I said, I'm super introverted. So this is a lot easier method for me to kind of reach out and show kind of my insights and my thoughts on what's going on and come follow me that week. So I feel like this come follow me curriculum is really going to bring people all around the world closer to Christ. And I think that is an awesome thing. We will be starting off with the December 31st through January 6th assignment. And it starts off asking the question, what seek ye? Jesus asked his disciples. This is from John 1, 38. So just take a moment and think about what are you looking for out of this experience. For me, it is to better understand my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and to come closer to him, 
to have a better foundation and understanding of the New Testament, and really just to become converted to Jesus Christ himself. So this next clip comes from episode four, and the reason I included it is because I feel like I did a really good job of describing how Come Follow Me was expanding my understanding of the scriptures, and it's actually when we're moving from the Gospels of Luke and Matthew and Mark into the Gospel of John, and um, I mean, you'll see, you'll see, it, it kind of shows how it just kind of expanded my worldview of the scriptures and what the Come Follow Me program did for me. It was pretty cool. Hello, and welcome back to The Savior Said. Um, This week, we are going to be looking at the assignment for January 21st through 27th, and that's John 1, We Have Found the Messiah. And reading John this week was a little bit of a different experience from when I read uh, Matthew and Luke. I felt like with Come Follow Me, as I was reading the Matthew and Luke chapters, it was like taking a painting that I had known my whole life and kind of expanding it and turning it into a sculpture that I could kind of look at from different angles and walk around and see like the different little crevices and stuff that I hadn't really noticed before. Um, so that was a really neat experience using Come Follow Me. So when I went this week and I picked up John, It's written in a totally different style, and I felt like I had gone from looking at a painting I knew really well and sculptures I really loved to looking at an abstract painting and being like, what is going on here? But just like the other studies in Come Follow Me have done, um, this particular study in Come Follow Me helped me kind of understand the abstractness, I guess, of John and really see the beauty that's within it. Um, one of my favorite scriptures is, is in here, the, you know, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness comprehendeth not. Um, just beautiful. And so I've really enjoyed the assignment this week because it is really bringing me closer to my Savior and um, even more so, I think, than the previous assignments have been. Now, in the previous clip, I kind of explained about how Come Follow Me has taken my scriptures and kind of blown them up into like sculptures where I can look at them from different angles and things like that. But there is one story in particular as we were going along, and this is in episode 10, we were studying about the different people that Jesus healed, the healing miracles. And in going in through Come Follow Me and studying the background of the different healings that he did, my world was rocked. You know, like those those times where you sit and you open up your scriptures and you read something that you have always read like a million times before, but it's just that one moment that just turns your world upside down in a way you had never even anticipated. Like in episode 10, in that particular assignment where we were talking talking about all the healings that the Savior did, there was the healing of the leper. And going in and learning about the history of leprosy and what it was like there in ancient Judea and um, Jerusalem and the things that they did with the law of Moses and leprosy and the bravery that it must have taken from that leper to approach Christ just blew my ever-loving mind. So um, you're going to see that here in this clip from episode 10. I went in and looked at what my friends at the Enduring Word had to say about leprosy. And here's what they say. They say, Leprosy might begin with the loss of all sensation in some part of the body. The nerve trunks are affected. The muscles waste away. The tendons contract until the hands are like claws. And then after that follows an ulceration of the hands and feet. So you've got ulcers on your hands and feet. Then comes the progressive loss of fingers and toes. They like fall off until a whole hand or foot may drop off. The duration of this kind of leprosy is anything from 20 to 30 years. It is a terrible progressive death in which a man dies by inches. And according to Jewish law and customs, one had to keep six feet away from a leper. 
and if the wind was blowing towards a person from a leper, they had to keep 150 feet away. Okay, the only thing in Jewish law, ancient Jewish law, that was more defiling than contact with a leper was contact with a dead body. That was more unclean, but that was the only thing that was more unclean than getting in contact with the leper was being in contact with the dead body. Okay, so bad, bad, very bad. Very bad socially, but also very bad, you know, just like for your family. If you have a family member that all of a sudden gets leprosy, then, oh, bad. I mean, they're they're gone pretty much. I mean, we can even read about the rabbi's reaction to people with leprosy. Um, rabbis sometimes boasted about how badly they would treat these lepers. Okay, one bragged that he refused to even buy an egg on a street where he saw a leper. And another boasted that he threw rocks at lepers upon seeing them. Okay, so this is the cultural setting that Christ is in. So, you know, Sister Frizzle and the Magic School Bus, let's hop in. Let's go back to ancient Israel. And we are sitting in, you know, just a plain area there in near the Sea of Galilee. Jesus has come off the mount. And we're sitting there. We're listening to him teach. And all of a sudden, there's kind of a commotion, right, in the back of the crowd. And so, you know, you kind of turn and look over your shoulder And you see people kind of like jumping out of the way and screaming. And you're like, what are they walking into? And you see someone kind of shuffling through. And you realize like they're not well. Like something's wrong here. And you kind of get closer. And you realize that it's a leper. And this is, you know, one of the things that you have been taught to avoid your whole life. You know, just stay away from them. And you know they're unclean. And it's terrifying to be around this. That you've taught, you've been taught is so bad. Right? And so this leper... Think about what he's got going through his mind as he sees these people throwing themselves like out of the way to get out of his way as he's approaching Christ. He knows that Christ is a practicing Jew, probably wants nothing to do with him. He knows that it is maybe even just a little disrespectful for him to be coming up and approaching him. All right. He knows how sick he is and how terrible not only his sickness is, but also socially how terrible the the disease is. Um, He knows that other people around him do not have much sympathy for him or empathy. They just want him out of there. I mean, can you imagine how insignificant you would feel in a situation like that? He has no promise that Christ will take pity on him. He has no promise that Christ will heal him. He's never heard of Christ healing another leper. I mean, he must have felt so ashamed. And so we see that he worshipped him and he called him Lord, recognizing the divinity of Christ and recognizing who he was. And he says, Lord, if thou will, he has faith that Christ can heal him. He just needs to know if Jesus is willing to reach forth his hand and heal him. And then beyond just being asked to be healed, he is asked to be made clean. So that goes back to our whole word about unclean versus clean. Um, So not only does he want to be cleaned from the leprosy or healed from the leprosy, but he wants to be made clean. Okay. So Jesus puts forth his hand and he touches him in a society that has just pulled back so much from this person and just I mean, he's been completely abandoned by everyone around him. No one has touched him, probably in years. And Christ puts forth his hand and reaches out to him. And he says, I will. I will I will heal you. And he's, he's willing to meet him. And he says, be thou clean. Immediately his leprosy was cleaned. To me, the most beautiful part of this is that there is this person who's given up on himself, who society has given up on. And he feels like he doesn't even know if Christ is going to give up on him, but he's going to try. And he has faith that Christ can do it. He just needs to know that 
is Christ going to reach out back to him? And Christ does. Think about all the times in our life where we have felt given up on by society, or we've felt given up on by people around us, or we've even given up on ourselves. And we approach Christ and say, you have no reason to do this at all, but I'm asking you to please help me. And he does. What a beautiful experience. I'm sorry, guys, I'm like bawling through this, but I mean, what a beautiful experience. Not only for that leper, but to everyone who witnessed it. I can't even imagine what that was like, um, how mind-blowing that that probably was. So I wanted to start off with that um, because it's such a great metaphor for us approaching Christ where he is and then Christ reaching back and making us clean again. Now, guys, I have a confession to make. Um, If you haven't already figured it out, I am a nerd. I am a giant nerd. Um, Just straight up nerdy is my middle name. So in this next particular clip that I'm pulling out, it's me being my nerdiest of nerdy self. Um, We're going to be talking about science and what it does to your brain when you are reading stories. As a librarian, I find the science of story very interesting because I need to know when I'm promoting stories and books and things like that to kids or grown-ups or whoever, what it's doing to their brains. And so I've actually spent a lot of time researching this. And so when we went here in episode 12, we were studying the parables of Christ. So it was really interesting to me to sit down and look at the way that Jesus taught using parables and what it did to the people's brains that he was teaching. And so it's really cool to see how he was using the different chemicals and things like that that have been created by our Heavenly Father in our bodies and the way that our brains work, the way our Heavenly Father's created our brains to work, and how he was using that to teach people incredibly effectively. So here in episode 12, you're going to hear a little clip of me talking about the science of story. Okay, so I want to talk to you guys about the science of story. And this is important this week because Christ uses story to teach gospel truths. Um, He does this through his parables. And so when we go in and we examine what exactly story is doing to our brain and the way Christ uses the science to kind of impart his different gospel truths, I think we start seeing kind of the beautiful way that Heavenly Father created our minds and our hearts to receive story and how we can then go use it in our own lessons, in our own talks, to help spread gospel truth to others. Now, there's all kinds of science behind story that I think is just fascinating. So if y'all will allow me here, we're going to go a little secularly into the science of story. Okay, so first up, what is interesting about story? Okay, Harvard has a really great um, article on this. I'm going to post it to my blog and Facebook. They say, stories allow us to simulate intense experiences without having to actually live through them. Stories allow us to experience the world before we actually have to experience it. A story is the only way to activate parts in our brain so that a listener turns the story into their own idea and their own experience. Okay, you can see that he's doing that with like Parable of the Sower. A lot of people in this agricultural society are also sowers. And so they're going to remember the truth of it long afterwards because they have that mental image to put with it. Okay, Harvard says, scientists are discovering the chemicals like cortisol, dopamine, and oxytocin are released in the brain when we're told a story. Why does that matter? If we are trying to make a point stick, okay, like the parable of the sower, cortisol assists with our formulating memories. Cortisol is a stress hormone, guys. 
Dopamine, which helps regulate our emotional responses, keeps us engaged. Dopamine is also a pleasure-rewarding chemical as well, which is why we like stories so much. And then when it comes to creating deeper emotional connections with others, oxytocin is associated with empathy, an important element in building, deepening, and maintaining good relationships. Okay, so Christ was building empathy with those who were sowers and who had experienced throwing seeds onto stony ground, right? Perhaps most importantly, storytelling is central to meaning-making and sense-making, which is exactly what Christ said. You know, he who hath ears to hear, let him hear, right? That's sense-making. It is through story that our minds form and examine our own truths and beliefs, as well as discern how they correlate with the truths and beliefs of others. Yeah, the saints in the crowd listening to Jesus, they're trying to figure out their own beliefs about what he's saying and how it relates to the beliefs of those in the crowd with them and the beliefs of Christ. I mean, yes, absolutely. Harvard, you're getting this right. Okay. Through story listening, we gain new perspectives and a better understanding of the world around us. We challenge and expand our own understanding by exploring how others see and understand the world through their lens. And that's what we as readers of the scriptures do when we come in. We are expanding our own understanding by exploring exploring how those in the New Testament would have seen and understand the world through the lens that Christ was kind of speaking to them about. Also, because he's created such an empathetic response with the cortisol and the oxytocin in their brains, all of a sudden they're like, okay, I'm going to remember this. Like, if he had just told them, well, yeah, guys, I'm going to give you some truth, and some of you aren't going to listen, and some of you are, and, you know, some of you might listen and then forget it a little bit later, but yet some of you will listen, and you'll really like this, and you'll take it to heart. They might have been like, meh, boring, right? But he tells them the story that they can really relate to, and they are going to remember it for a long time. And not only remember it, but they are going to see the truth behind it as well. Those who have prepared their hearts and their minds, they will be able to see the truth behind it and they will remember that truth because of that expression of hormones that have been released in their body while they are listening to Christ talk. Okay? And so that's why he speaks in parables. That is one of the best ways to catch the attention of your audience. What are they talking about? You know, in school, what are my kids talking about? Fortnite, okay? And so I relate stuff to Fortnite all the time. But it's a great way to get their attention, and it's a great way to hold their attention. I also think Christ, as the master storyteller, was so good at holding attention. And if you notice, whenever he's talking these parables... He doesn't spend a whole long time talking about one particular parable. The sower is pretty long, but it's also got its little, like, tiny moments in between. Then he goes into these parables where he talks about, like, the leaven, and he talks about the pearl of great price, and then he talks about the mustard seed, all of these. He just goes bam, 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 bam. So, I mean, you want to talk about, like, keeping someone's attention. He is, like, going, okay, we're talking about this one thing. Now we're switching up. We're going to talk about this thing. Now we're going to switch up. We're going to talk about this thing. So there are no wandering attention spans. I mean, he is literally the master teacher. I'm amazed at the way he teaches. And he talked in parables so much. And it says in 34 of Matthew 13, it says, All these things spake Jesus to the multitude in parables. And without a parable spake he not unto them. Okay, so speaking of being extra, you know, I couldn't just let Easter go by with just a normal, regular assignment. And so when we got to the Easter episode, I wanted to do something special, and I came up with the idea of doing the mixtapes. And, you know, the mixtape episodes are always some of my most favorite episodes to do. They're some of my most popular episodes. And so I think you guys really like the mixtape episodes, too. So this clip comes from the mixtape episode, episode 15. This is the Easter mixtape. 
And I wanted to include it because you know how much I love my sisters in the scriptures and how deeply I feel about women in the scriptures and especially women having a relationship with Jesus Christ and how important it is for us to feel like we have an individual connection to Jesus Christ. We don't have to go through another man to have a connection to Jesus Christ or to our Heavenly Father. We ourselves as women can have that connection. And so I chose this part of the mixtape. This is describing Mary going to the tomb of Christ. And when she goes to the tomb of Christ, she meets him and he greets her and he calls her by name. And I love that interaction of him coming her directly, seeing her as an individual, even though she's a woman. And in that society, that's one of the lowest things that you can be. He appeared to her first after his resurrection. So this is from the Easter mixtape episode 15. And I'm also going to include the song that goes with it. It's How Can It Be, written by Lauren Daigle, but covered by Sierra Lauren. Okay, so next up, I wanted to focus on a witness of the resurrected Christ. Um, And you guys, you know, I love my sisters in the scriptures. I always love my sisters in the scriptures. And so I wanted to focus on a woman. And ever since I was a little girl, there is this painting of Christ appearing to Mary Magdalene. And, you know, she's sitting there, she's got her hands open, and she's looking up at Christ, and he's looking down at her so tenderly. And I have to say, when I was a little girl, the reason this was my favorite painting was because it had pink flowers in it, and the pink flowers matched my room. <laughs> so that's why I love this painting over all of the other Jesus paintings, was because it has pink flowers in it. But I went on to see that I love this painting now because it shows my resurrected Savior and it shows him appearing to a woman that he would choose to appear to a woman in a a society that was so male-driven. He chose to appear to Mary first. And that that moment was filled with so much tenderness and so much love. And how much tenderness and love does he have for each and every one of us? I mean, he could look at us and he would just say our name. I can't even imagine with how much love he says our name and how proud he is of us, especially when we seek after him, like Mary was looking for him that morning. So I wanted to share the story of Mary Magdalene with you. This is in John, John 20, 1 through 16. The first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene early, when it was yet dark unto the sepulchre, and she saw the stone taken away from the sepulchre. And then she runneth, and cometh to Simon Peter, and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved, and said unto them, They have taken away the Lord out of the sepulchre, and we know not where they have laid him. Peter therefore went forth, and the other disciple, and came to the sepulchre. So they both ran together, and the other disciple did outrun Peter, and came first to the sepulchre. And stooping down and looking in, he saw the linen clothes lying, yet went he not in. And then cometh Simon Peter, following him, and went into the sepulchre, and seeing the linen clothes lie. And the napkin that was about his head, not lying with the linen clothes, but wrapped together in a place by itself. And then went in also the other disciple, which came first to the sepulchre, and saw and believed. For as yet they knew not the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. The disciples went away again into their own home. But Mary stood without the sepulchre weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the sepulchre. And she seeth two angels in white sitting, the one at the head and the other at the feet where the body of Jesus had lain. And they said unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? She saith unto them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I know not where they have laid him. When she had said, thus said, she turned herself back, and saw Jesus standing, but knew not that it was Jesus. 
And Jesus saith unto her, Woman, Why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? She, supposing him to be the gardener, said unto him, Sir, if thou have borne him hence, tell me where thou hast laid them, and I will take him away. And Jesus said unto her, Mary. And she turned herself, and saith unto him, Rabboni, which is to say, Master. How beautiful is that? I can't help but just loving her little, you know, if you've taken him away, tell me where you've laid him, and I will take him. I mean, can you imagine little Mary Magdalene, like, picking up the body of, you know, Christ and trying to carry him away, but she was willing to do that to honor his body because she didn't yet know that he was resurrected. And I'm just, you know, I just love the devotion that she had to him and that his disciples had to had to him. And I just love this story. I love the living Christ so much. So I'm so grateful to share that with you. Okay, the song that I chose for this was How Can It Be by Sierra Lauren. Um, and this is actually a cover of a Lauren Daigle song, and y'all know I love me some Lauren Daigle, but I love Sierra's version so much. And it comes off of the album, The Worth of Souls, Songs to Rescue and Restore Faith in Jesus Christ. Um, and Paul Cardell has kind of put these songs together, but it's multiple people in the LDS community singing various songs about Christ, and it's a gorgeous album. I definitely recommend it. You can get it from Deseret Book, or you can find it on Amazon or anywhere else that you download music from, but... It is absolutely beautiful. So this is How Can It Be by Sierra Lauren.
Okay, so now we're going to take a big jump from episode 17 to episode 34. And I'm not sure why the episodes in between 17 and 34 just didn't stand out to me. They just didn't. I couldn't think of any particular parts that I wanted to really pull out and share with you. So I don't know. You can go back. Maybe there was good stuff in there that you guys can find. It just off the top of my head, I, I didn't remember anything. But in episode 34, I did remember something because I loved it so much. Um, Y'all know I am a Harry Potter fan. I love some Harry Potter. I see Harry Potter everywhere I go. I have a Ravenclaw sticker on the back of my car. Like, I love Harry Potter. And so when I'm reading the scriptures, if I can apply the scriptures to my life, I can also apply my life to the scriptures. I can apply Harry Potter to the scriptures. And we were reading in 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 8, and this is in episode 34, and I was listening to it. You know, I was listening to the audio version of the scriptures as I was driving to work one morning, and I realized, oh my gosh, Paul is sorting the Hogwarts houses. Like, he has just described these scriptures, used these scriptures to describe the various Hogwarts houses that you would find at Hogwarts. And there's different characteristics that go along with each one of these houses, and Paul has just described them. And Paul also seems to be a big fan of Hufflepuff. So in this clip, you're going to hear me talking about how I think Paul would sort the Hogwarts houses. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8. And this is where it's talking about charity. And if I have not this, then I have not charity. You know, that, that whole thing. And so I was listening to it as I was driving to work one morning. And as I'm listening to it, like these verses, I'm like, oh my gosh, those are the Hogwarts houses. And here's why. The first one, this is actually, I'm backing on up. We're going back to 1 Corinthians 13. We're going to start with one. First one reminds me of the Slytherins. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am becoming as a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. You know, because the Slytherins are all about, you know, getting further ahead and they're all about strategy and they can sound really good, right? But they don't have charity. All right. And then verse two is the Ravenclaws, which I heart Ravenclaw, Ravenclaw for life right here. So I'm just going to keep going with it though. Verse two says, and though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, if I have not charity, I have nothing. And three is going to be my Gryffindors. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. And then here come my Hufflepuffs. And this is where I start thinking about the Hufflepuffs, because the Hufflepuffs are known for their loyalty, for their love, for their acceptance. But, you know, no one ever wants to be a Hufflepuff, because they always think of Hufflepuff as like the leftover house, where, you know, they gather up everyone who's not brave or smart or cunning. They put them in the Hufflepuff, because the Hufflepuffs are accepting and they love everyone. But here's the thing that is so interesting to me. J.K. Rowling came out and she talked about the Hufflepuffs and she said they are the best house out of all four of the Hogwarts houses because in the Battle of Hogwarts, none of the Hufflepuffs left. You know, you have the Gryffindors who supposedly are super brave, but they, I mean, some of them stayed and fought, yes, and some of the Slytherins stayed and fought and some of the Ravenclaws stayed and fought, but also some of them turned around and left, whereas not a single Hufflepuff left and deserted Hogwarts during the Battle of Hogwarts. Which, you guys, I know I'm taking this way too seriously, but Harry Potter is life, okay? I'm <laughs> just saying. So, that's what was in my brain as I was, like, reading through these scriptures, and we get to verse 4, 
And this is where the Hufflepuffs start coming in. So listen to the Hufflepuffs. Think about those Hufflepuffs standing in the Battle of Hogwarts. And this is them. Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up. It doth not behave itself unseemingly. It seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, and thinketh no evil. It rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in truth. It beareth all things, it believeth all things, it hopeth all things, it endureth all things. Charity never faileth. And so I started thinking about that. I was like, that was the Hufflepuffs in the Battle of Hogwarts. So in those verses, I liken the scriptures unto myself as it comes through Harry Potter and the Hogwarts houses of Harry Potter. So Hufflepuffs, to me, represent charity. So I've decided in my life that I'm a Ravenpuff. You know, I'm Ravenclaw. You know, the wisdom and knowledge and stuff, I, I love that a lot. But I also need to have more Hufflepuff in my life. As I mentioned, the mixtape episodes are some of my most popular episodes, Um, and in particular, the mixtape for Trials and Tribulations, that one when I made it, has been my most popular episode of all time. It's been shared over 2,000 times, so it has burnt up like crazy, and so I wanted to pick something from that particular mixtape. You guys know I talk a lot about mental health and the stigma behind mental health. I try and break it by sharing some of my stories and some of my experiences dealing with mental health. And so the clip that I chose from the mixtape of trials and tribulations is the anxiety. Are you feeling anxious? Because I believe when Paul is talking in that particular week's assignment, we're reading that in the scriptures, Paul describes anxiety so perfectly that makes me feel like Paul maybe had some anxiety. Um, It's probably one of the clearest definitions I've seen in the scriptures, but he's telling us not to be anxious because we have Christ with us. And so he gives this definition, but he's like, we aren't anxious, even though we are feeling this. And I think, you know, that's kind of a conflict. It kind of doesn't make sense. But if we have Christ and we have peace, we can be anxious in this world but not anxious with him. I hope that makes sense. Even when we're, our body is experiencing anxiety, our spirit can be experiencing peace with him. And that does seem like such an oxymoron, but it's not. It's not. There's peace in Christ. And so this is the section from the mixtape Trials and Tribulations episode 36, and it's the anxiety section. And it's going to follow up with the song It Is Well by Bethel Music. Okay, so this next track I want to title, Are You Feeling Anxious? And if you can't tell, there's like each one of these tracks has a question I'm starting out with. Um, And so the first one that we just did was, Are You Feeling Hopeless? This one's, Are You Feeling Anxious? So this is all about anxiety. So this is 2 Corinthians 4, 8. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. And so for me, when I'm feeling anxious, I definitely feel trouble on every side. Just constant needling, just thoughts of anxiety, thoughts of different problems and what ifs and scenarios and just feeling like I just cannot calm down or let go. And so that's kind of the feeling I was feeling when I read that verse is I'm like, that's kind of like, you know, anxiety. So I chose from our general authorities, Henry B. Eyring's talk, My Peace I Leave With You, which I definitely recommend you go and read if you have any sort of anxiety or just feeling like unpeaceful. Um, It's a really good talk. It's April 2017 conference. And he says, he's quoting, of course, Jesus Christ to start out here. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. 
Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. And that's from John fourteen twenty six through 27 Henry Beiring says, The sons of Mosiah needed that gift of peace as they embarked on their mission to the Lamanites. With more than a little anxiety, as they sensed the greatness of their task, they prayed for reassurance. Pause. Okay, this is Lexi, not Henry Beiring. But... I love this part of his talk because he talks about people in the Book of Mormon that struggled with anxiety. And we think a lot of times that it's a modern day affliction, but you can find all kinds of different examples in the scriptures of people who struggled with anxiety, people who struggled with depression, mental illnesses there in the scriptures as well. And so I love that he points out that, you know, the sons of Messiah, they were going on like kind of a really scary mission to the Lamanites and they had some serious anxiety. Okay, and Henry B. Iron continues, And the Lord did visit them with his spirit, and said unto them, Be comforted. And they were comforted. At times you may long for peace as you face uncertainty, and what may seem to you to be looming challenges. The sons of Mosiah learned the lesson that the Lord taught to Moroni. It is a guide for us all. If men come unto me, I will show unto them their weakness. I give unto men weakness that they become humble. My grace is sufficient for all who humble themselves before me. For if they humble themselves before me and have faith in me, then will I make weak things become strong unto them. Moroni said that when he heard these words, he was comforted. And they can be a comfort to all of us. We all have weakness. We all need to come to the Lord and the Lord can succor us in our weakness. I love that. Because it reminds me that, yeah, I have anxiety, and yeah, I'm still going to feel anxious, but the Lord's with me in that anxiety, and He can help calm it just a little bit, or He can lead me to people who can help me, whether they be therapists or psychiatrists, medication, whatever it is that might help calm me down. And one of the most interesting ways that I have found to calm myself down when I'm having anxiety or anxiety attacks, and there's scientific evidence behind this, is singing which sounds crazy, but I'll post an article link that you guys can go in and read this. When you sing or when you hum, you are actually stimulating a nerve called the vagus nerve. And the vagus nerve is a long nerve. It goes from your brain all the way down your neck, your chest, your abdomen, and it connects the brainstem to the body. Okay, it's associated with all kinds of physical functions, including swallowing, taste, digestion, heart rate, all that stuff. So whenever you activate this nerve, it tells your brain all is well, stimulating the parasympathetic nervous system to relax as well. And your voice box specifically is connected to your vagus nerve. So whenever you hum or you sing, you naturally activate it. So this is why a lot of times during meditation, they'll have, you know, people will be meditating and they'll do things like, um, right? Because they're stimulating that vagus nerve and that creates the parasympathetic response in our bodies where we kind of relax, right? And then the other part I think of singing that really helps to relax me is the breathing. You know, if I can find the right songs, it will help me control my breath. And I'm not so like, (laughs) you know, it helps me like, slow down. So my favorite song when I'm feeling anxious or just concerned or like wrapped up about stuff is It Is Well by Bethel Music. And so you guys are going to hear it in a minute. It's, It's based on, you know, the hymn It Is Well With My Soul. They've taken kind of like a different twist on it, though, and you'll see it. It's beautiful. She talks about, you know, 
the earth and all the different things that were created, that Christ still has power over them and he will change them for our benefit and our good. So how can he not be there with us in the middle of our, you know, trauma and whatever it is that we are going through? And, you know, the chorus is, it is well with my soul. And she just keeps singing that over and over again. So when I'm in my car and I'm having one of those anxious moments, like this is the song I turn on and I sing along to at the top of my voice. And I find that it does that vagus nerve thing. Like it stimulates my vagus nerve and gets me to calm down. And just the chorus, like as it gets to the end where she's like, it is well, it is well, like over and over again. I find that that really slows my breathing down. So if you are struggling with anxiety, I definitely recommend that you listen to the song. Okay. And sing along too. Once you, once you learn the words, it is well by Bethel music.
Okay, so the next section is going to be one of the bonus content materials that I put out this year.、Um, part of my calling is when wards in our stake have ward conferences, we go along with the other stake officers, and sometimes as a stake officer, I will be assigned to give a talk in that particular ward's ward conference sacrament meeting. And in this case, that was what happened. I was assigned to give a talk, and I was told I could give a talk on any subject I wanted. It just had to be under five minutes. And So, I picked Grace because y'all know how I feel about some Grace. I love some Grace. And so, this is my talk on Grace that I gave to the Montesano Award in September of this year. And I strived really hard to keep it under five minutes because our stake president is very adamant about that. But before I even went up to the stand, you know, to give the talk and everything, I told him, I'm like, it, it may not be five minutes. It may be over, like just a little bit. But can you give me a little grace? And he just looked at me and he was like, yes, I'll give you a little grace on the time. And so it just worked in perfectly with、um, the talk theme. So here's my talk on grace. Brothers and sisters, this morning I want to talk to you about grace. The grace of Jesus Christ. Now, I only have five minutes to do this in, and grace is a subject that I could literally talk about for hours. So, today, I would like to focus on one of the aspects of grace the enabling power, the strength and assistance that we receive to do good works and overcome obstacles we otherwise would not be able to do on our own. In other words, I want to talk about how grace applies when we start to think, I can't do it. I'll never be good enough. Life is too hard. To do this, I would like to make an analogy. Years ago, my son decided he wanted to train to be an American Ninja Warrior. Now, for those of you who don't know, American Ninja Warrior is a TV show where the contestants battle through an obstacle course that requires great athletic skill and ability. There's a gym in town that does offer this type of training, so we signed up. He was doing very well until he came to an obstacle he found that was difficult to overcome. It's called a warped wall, and the goal is to run as fast as you can at a curved wall to the point you run up the wall a little ways and then you jump and you reach the ledge at the top of the wall where you pull yourself up and over. My son found that as he tried this obstacle over and over again, he would run as hard as he could. He would get to the part where he needed to jump and he would jump as hard as he could and then he would splat. Face first into the wall and slide all the way back down. And this didn't happen just once. This happened again and again, over and over again for weeks. Now, how does this apply to us in a spiritual sense? I think we all have those specific weaknesses that we constantly find ourselves doing our best to overcome, and yet we splat into the wall again and again. Dieter F. Uchtdorf, in his talk, The Gift of Grace, talks about the spiritual side of this when he says, Though we all have weaknesses, we can overcome them. Indeed, it is by the grace of God that if we can humble ourselves and have faith, weak things can become strong. Throughout our lives, God's grace bestows temporal blessings and spiritual gifts that magnify our abilities and then enrich our lives. His grace refines us. His grace helps us become our best selves. In short, we are not only saved by grace, we are changed by grace. 
Weak things become strong. You see, while my son had been splatting over and over again against that wall, he had also been inching up the wall. His muscles had been developing, his dexterity and agility improving. There is purpose in our mistakes and our need to rely on the goodness of our Savior's atonement and His grace. Brucey Hafen has written, The great mediator asks for our repentance not because we must repay him in exchange for paying our debt, but because repentance initiates a developmental process that, with the Savior's help, leads us along the path to saintly character. This is where grace enters into my training analogy. After a few weeks of splatting unsuccessfully against the wall, my son's coach came to me and said, You know, it might help if he wore different shoes, shoes with a little bit more grip on the bottom. So at the next training session, he had the shoes, and it made a huge difference. He was able to get up much higher on the wall than before. This is like the Savior's grace that gives us strength and assistance that we receive to do good works and overcome obstacles we otherwise would not be able to do on our own. Brad Wilcox, in his talk, His Grace is Sufficient, has said, The Savior's gift of grace to us is not necessarily limited in time to after all we can do. We may receive His grace before, during, and after the time we expend our own best efforts. Grace is not a booster engine that kicks in once our fuel supply is exhausted. Rather, it is the constant energy source. It is not the light at the end of the tunnel, but the light that moves us through the tunnel. Grace is not achieved somewhere down the road. It is received right here and right now. It is not a finishing touch. It is the finisher's touch. But how do we access grace like this, this enabling power? Jean R. Cook's conference talk entitled Receiving Divine Assistance Through the Grace of the Lord is a wonderful guide to accessing grace. He says to obtain grace, one does not have to be perfect, but he does have to be trying. Then the Lord may allow him to receive that power. Moroni sums up the doctrine of grace succinctly. If ye shall deny yourselves of all ungodliness and love God with all your might, mind, and strength, then is his grace sufficient for you. Back at the training gym, while the shoes made a big difference, my son was still splatting against the wall. He was just splatting higher up and closer to his goal now. Finally, the coach climbed up to the top ledge, laid down across the top, and extended his arms down to my son. My son ran up to the wall as hard as he could. He jumped as hard as he could, and he reached for the top, and the coach grabbed his hands and lifted him up and over the top of the wall. He made it with the help of his coach. Because my son had a coach who had personally conquered the obstacle and knew how it worked, he was able to guide him over it. However, the coach also saw the value in building strength and dexterity through failure. The strength and ability my son was gaining through all of those splats. Then, after my son had tried his hardest and expended his own best efforts, the coach was able to help lift him up to overcome that obstacle. We have a Savior who has conquered the obstacles of this life, who knows the value in the struggles we face, and who gives us His grace that enables us to climb and then finally overcome our weaknesses. Do not be discouraged if it feels like you are constantly splatting and not getting any nearer to the top of your obstacle. Russell M. Nelson has said, We need not be dismayed if our earnest efforts towards perfection now seem so arduous and endless. Perfection is pending. It can come in full only after the resurrection and only through the Lord. 
We have a Savior who loves us perfectly and gives us the miraculous gift of His grace to not only overcome the obstacles of our lives, but also to one day return us back to our Father in Heaven. And it is of His goodness, His grace, His mercy, and His atonement that I testify of this morning. And I say these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Some of my favorite episodes in the past year were the episodes where I bring friends on and you get to hear some of my friends talk and I interview people and I love doing that because I get sick of hearing my own voice so much that I love having somebody else talk for a little bit. And in this particular clip, I want to share from episode 40, which my friend Kansas did for me so graciously she did it. And it worked out so well. I think it really was a Heavenly Father's intervention on her behalf um, and you'll hear her talk about that a little bit. But it was so amazing to me the way that the Spirit worked through her and through the experiences of that week to really bring some very important truths about Christ and holding on to Christ who strengthens us through all things and being able to hold to him even when life stinks because there will be times that life just stinks and it hurts and it's hard and holding to Christ through that. I love her testimony of that. She did such a good job on this episode. I told her from now on she's my permanent sub. Like if I ever need to not do an episode, she's going to be my substitute that I call. And she was like, no, no, I can't do it. I'm too nervous. I'm like, nope, permanent sub. And in fact, I will tell you, she still has the microphone I gave her to do the episode. I haven't even taken it back. So, you know, Kansas, until you give that microphone back, permanent sub. Here we go. Episode 40 with Kansas. So I'm recording this second half on a different day, and a lot has happened just in the past 24 hours, but we will get to that in a second. The next section is called, I can find joy in Christ regardless of my circumstances. And I really enjoyed both of the talks from this section. I love that President Nelson um, starts his talk by basically by basically talking about how terrible life is because it's true and I'm really feeling that right now. Um, There are terrorists, there's corruption, conflicts. He says there's dead ends, trials, and challenges of every kind. And he says that we have all likely had times when despair has almost consumed us. Oh guys, that's really hitting home right now. I may cry, okay? You'll find out why in a second. Um, Then he says, yet we are here to have joy? Like a question mark. Like, and I just love that. Like, that doesn't even make sense. Like this life is so, it's so much. And yet we're here to have joy. It it almost feels like a joke, right? Um, So this week, especially, I've really been feeling that that despair he's talking about that almost consumes us. Um, It started off by just being a tough week at work and my uh, dog was really sick. And so I was just kind of worried about my dog. Not kind of, I was very worried about my dog and I was cleaning up insane amount of accidents. Our our dog is very large. And so his accidents were very large. And I've just cleaned up so much poop this week. I don't even want to think about it. Uh, I was worried about my husband. Um, he just doesn't like his job. And uh, after a week off, he had to go back and um, I just worried about him. I had lunch with a friend, a dear friend of mine that I hadn't seen in a few months. Her child has a chromosomal abnorm- abnormality. Um, but he just has a lot of physical and, uh, mental, uh, hurdles and she just found out that he's going to have to have more surgeries too. So I was really feeling for her. And then I found out that same day after having lunch with my friend that another one of my very dear friends found out some very bad news and she's at the very beginning of what's going to be a very long and a very hard trial for her. And it was just emotionally exhausting 
already. And there's a few other friends that are in my mind that I'm worried about. And then on top of all that, um, I'm trying to mourn, but honestly, I haven't had the time. Uh, I'm trying to mourn my own loss um, of the possibility of having a second child. Uh, we gave ourselves um, a year after having our first to try to have a second. Um, we, gave, we set that timeline because there's some medicine that I need to start taking for um, some genetic high cholesterol I have. And I need to start taking that as soon as possible, really. Um, but we said, okay, let's try for a year. And if it happens, great. If not, then we need to start addressing my health concerns. So that year uh, was up just last week. And um, so um, honestly, I really haven't had time to mourn that loss. Um, but it's been on my mind, especially because I have um, my doctor's appointment tomorrow to get the ball rolling to get that medicine started. So and um, I'm going to be honest, guys, like all this just started to feel way too heavy. Like I was feeling a literal weight on me and it was making me sick to my stomach. And I was having the sense that I was like going under, like, you know, that was about to be like swallowed up. And um, then Lexi asked me to do this podcast. Um, it was about the same time all this was going on. And I thought, you know, I missed her last week's episode because I was out of town. So I'm going to go ahead and catch up and listen. And it was that um, Lexi's mixtape for trial and tribulations. And so I was listening to that, but also at the same time I was pre um, preparing for this episode and I was reading these talks by Nelson and Uchtdorf. And I, every time I started to dig into these or like dig into the talks or dig into the lesson or listen to Lexi's podcast, I started to feel like a little lighter every time. And I started to feel that peace of God that Paul refers to. You guys, nothing had changed. Like everything is technically exactly the same. In fact, it's even a little worse because I just got some very terrible news two hours ago. Um, I just had this shift of focus, like this change of perspective. As President Nelson says, joy has little to do with our circumstances and everything to do with our focus. Joy comes from and because of our Savior. He is the source of all joy. Okay, so episode 43. This was the episode that I interviewed my sister, Christy. And this episode, I love it for a lot of reasons. Um, I'm constantly learning about technology and the best way to do technology. And my sister Christy lives in Arizona, whereas I live in Alabama. So we were trying to figure out the best way to do an interview over the phone. I'm not sure we figured out the best way to do it. I'm still going to have to troubleshoot that, I think, with um, long distance interviews in the future. But we got a good little interview. And I was talking to her afterwards. I'm like, you know, how do you feel about it? Do you feel like the episode went okay and everything? And she was like, Lexi, that microphone picked everything up. And I'm like, oh yeah, I know. We were both sniffing a lot and it picked up the sniffles and stuff like that. She's like, I don't know. There was one part where it totally sounded like someone farted. And I was like, I went back in and listened to it. And I'm like, I, I can't even find the part where she's thinks that someone farted. I can't even find it, but apparently it's in there in episode 43. There is a fart somewhere in there um, that the micro microphone picked up. So, oh, I'm cracking myself up now. Okay. So, but I picked this particular clip of my interview with my sister, Christy, because it shows her testimony of Christ and how it has grown through her trials. She's experienced some very severe very trying trials um, in the last few years because of an injury that she received. Christy bore such a beautiful testimony of Christ being with you on that mountainside that I wanted to share it with you guys. So here it is, Christy from episode 43. And any other advice you have for someone who's found themselves in a similar situation? Kind of what my mother-in-law said, just don't give up because like... There's always going to be trials. There's always going to be mountains in our life. And just because they're there doesn't mean that Heavenly Father and Jesus aren't there and they aren't there supporting us. 
because that's how we grow. Trials is how we grow. And it may seem impossible, but it gets a lot harder if you don't have this Savior and you don't have Heavenly Father by your side. And, I, you know, I've had points where I've been angry. I've been like, why me? Like, why did this happen to me? Like, I've done everything right. But I think that if we rely on the fact that we're not alone, that the Savior's felt our pain, that He knows what we're going through, and if we rely on Heavenly Father, guide us to, you know, to kind of just hand over the reins and be like, Lord, I can't do this. Like, help me figure this out. But, you know, the mountain doesn't go away. But we have the tools we need to get over it. So my advice is to just hang on to Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ as your hiking companions to get over whatever trial or mountain you're facing. Absolutely. And what are some of the hiking tools that bring you closer to your Heavenly Father and your Savior? Definitely prayer and reading my scriptures. I feel like every time, you know, with the Come Follow Me curriculum, I feel like every single time I open up and read what I'm supposed to be reading, I'm like, oh, my goodness, like, this was for me. <laughs> so, I mean, Come Follow Me came, like, a perfect time in my life. So just scriptures. And you know what actually I found to be the biggest help is just surrounding myself with positivity. And, I mean, that includes, like, the music I'm listening to. Like, I listen to a lot of Lauren Daigle and a lot of... <laughs> you know, LDS music and Christian music, and, you know, I pay attention to the influence of, like, the social media around me. I stepped away from Facebook for a while. Um, I just try to surround myself with positivity and with, you know, the things Heavenly Father would want me to surround myself with. Um, so, yeah, a lot of scriptures, a lot of conference talk reading, a lot of t- time in the temple, and just focusing on getting over the mountain. Yeah. Okay, this last clip I'm going to share with you guys is from episode 49, the Christmas episode that I just released last week, and it's the part where I bear my testimony of Christ. Because I hope you see, as we go through all these different clips throughout the year, I hope you can see the different ways that my testimony of Christ has manifested in my life this year as I have studied the Come, Follow Me curriculum. And I hope that you have felt the light of Christ and the testimony of Christ as you have studied the Come, Follow Me curriculum. I hope that you have experienced the same kind of revelation and the same kind of confirming witness of Jesus Christ as you have gone through the scriptures this year and studied Come Follow Me on your own as well. So I'm going to end here with my testimony. And after that, I have a song that I just love. It describes our Savior so well. It's called In Christ Alone, and it's by Keith and Kristen Getty, but it features Allison Krauss. You know, I got to have a Southern girl in there somehow. So In Christ Alone, Keith and Kristen Getty with Allison Krauss. So Here's my testimony as I've gained it from Come Follow Me this year. I believe in my Savior. I believe that he was with us before this life, that he helped create the world, that he was part of the big council in heaven, and that we chose him and we chose his plan. And before the plan was even ever in motion, he was our older brother and he still guided us and directed us for good. He came to earth to fill everything that we go through. It was his choice to do it. He didn't have to. No one forced him to do it, but he did it willingly. And he came here to earth and he went through trials and struggles and temptations and weaknesses just like we do. So he knows what we have gone through. So when we turn around and we cry out to him, he can be with us in the perfect way because he knows exactly what we need. He sacrificed himself for us and he would do it all over again in a heartbeat because he loves us so much and we are so important to him and our salvation is so important to him. He was resurrected after death and he has victory over power and the grave and because of that, 
We have hope that we will see those who have loved and died and gone on before us, that we will see them again. He lives, and because he lives, so can we. We can be perfected and glory in the opportunity to have perfect bodies after this life because of his resurrection, that free gift that he gives to all mankind. His grace is always with us. We just need to reach out there for it, and it will enable us and strengthen us to be better than we ever could on our own. He never leaves us. He is our best friend. He's our best confidant, our best cheerleader, our best supporter, and our best exemplar. He is with us in everything that we do. We just have to turn to him. He is the perfect son of God. And through his sacrifice, he helps bring all of us back to God again someday. He will never leave us. He's always there. He is the light in the darkness. If you feel like you are in the darkness and you cannot feel that light, That's because sometimes depression messes with our heads and it does funny things to our heads, but he will never leave you. He is always with you. Even if you can't feel him there, he is there. He loves you so much. And I would leave that testimony with you of my Savior's love and of his divinity, of his divine sonship and of the purpose of his atonement and his perfect sacrifice and his resurrection and just the plan of salvation that is centered around Christ. And I hope you'll take that with you this Christmas time. And I say these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. In Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my soul. This cornerstone, this solid ground Firm through the fiercest drought and storm What heights of love, what depths of peace When fears are still, when striving cease My comforter, my all and all Here in the love of Christ I stand Christ alone, who took on flesh, fullness of God in helpless babe. This gift of love and righteousness, scorned by the ones He came to save. Till on the cross, as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied. For every sin on him was laid Here in the death of Christ I live In glorious day, out from the grave he rose. 
Thank you guys for allowing me this little walk down memory lane and um, just allowing myself to see how much I've grown over the year. And thank you for a wonderful 2019 for sticking with me through this year. I cannot wait for 2020 to see how much my testimony of the Book of Mormon grows as we study Come Follow Me together and come closer to Christ through our study. And it's going to be awesome. So keep hanging around. The Savior Said Season 2 starts next week. Bye, y'all. The Savior Said is not an official product or endorsed by The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. All comments and opinions are my own personal opinions and not representative of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. The music used in The Savior Said is Fireflies and Stardust by Kevin McLeod. The hymn quoted in the opening is Come Follow Me, lyrics by John Nicholson. The Come Follow Me curriculum can be found at comefollowme.churchofjesuschrist.org. For show notes, new episode alerts, and other fun and inspirational things, check out my Facebook page at facebook.com slash thesaviorsaid. Have a question or comment? Email me at thesaviorsaid at gmail.com. Content in The Savior Said is copyright protected. All rights are reserved. Thank you for listening.